Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Popham's in front and swimming well. Lane six is coming. Nikolai Popham gets it. He held them up. And gets his goal. The tears are flowing in the commentary box, and I feel like they are at the pool and Jundal up as well. One of the magical moments uh, of the recent Paralympics in Tokyo. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, that was by no means a little moment uh, featuring our next guest uh, in the Inspiring Stories series, uh, Ben Popham, uh, a person that uh, our states, indeed our entire country, completely fell in love with uh, over recent months. He's only 21 years old, one of the youngest people I think we've ever had uh, in the studio for inspiring stories, but uh, certainly more than worthy. He became an absolute superstar of Paralympic swimming uh, at, the, at the recent Tokyo Games, uh, coming away with two gold medals and a bronze medal to his name. Hello and welcome, Ben. How are you going? How are you? Yeah, going well, thanks. Listening to that little snippet of commentary uh, from the, uh, the Channel 7 commentary of the recent Games there, how does it make you feel? Yeah, I was sort of reliving the moment, to be yeah. honest. I think uh, it's one of those ones where I can so easily recall the memory and how it felt and what I was feeling and the, how the water felt. It was so It's so uh, burnt into my mind that whenever I sort of hear that commentary, I'm just sort of right back in Tokyo. Yeah. How many times do you reckon you've watched it? I've only watched it back. about three times. I think if I watch it anymore, I sort of run the risk of dissecting and analysing the race and <laughs> sort of finding out what's wrong with it. I don't want to do it just yet. Yeah. I just want to leave it alone. But, uh, yeah, three times and I sort of listened to the commentary as well and it's 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 really good. Well, let's dissect the race a little bit um, before we go any further because um, you, you're probably not known for your flying starts, but you, you had a pretty ordinary start in that yeah. race, didn't you? And you yeah. were a, a fair way back uh, at the turn with 50 to go, weren't you? Yeah. I think, um, obviously having cerebral palsy in my legs, um, it affects my start and it affects the power that I can get off the blocks. And so versing other guys that maybe are amputated at the arm uh, and have a sort of uh, weaker upper body, I get smashed off the blocks. I get smashed Mm. off the first 50 because once they're underwater, they just rapidly go and I'm sort of left behind trailing. So it's always going to be the case for me and I don't think I can ever change that. (laughs) So we sort of just have to work with what we've got and and learn to come back. You, you certainly came through. I mean, that, uh, that second 50, you just stormed to the lead uh, and you must have won by, what, half a body length uh, in the end. W- were you aware of how much work you had to do in that final 50? 
Look, I think I didn't see the Russian, which made me even more confident. Now, obviously, you never take uh, your foot off the pedal in a Paralympic final, so yeah. we weren't running the risk of, of that. But, you know, I've done that so many times in training, and we've replicated that exact scenario where I come off the wall, I'm a body length, two body lengths behind, and I've got to catch up before the 25. Because mm. you find that if you leave your run too late, the, the swimmer's sort of thinking, well, I've only got 10 to go. I may as well put the hammer down. Yeah. And that's what we don't want. If they put the hammer down, then I'm stuck because I'm putting <laughs> down the hammer and I've got, I've got this much to go. So, um, yeah, you know, you've got to get them by the 25. And so when I turned for that, for that um, last 50 in Tokyo, I felt relaxed. I felt so calm because it was exactly what we practiced. It was mm. the exact situation that we thought we'd find ourselves in. And so it was so easy to, to replicate. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons as well, people did fall in love with you so much uh, during the games, not just for your success in the pool, but how, uh, how much we saw that it meant to you uh, and also how you carried yourself through the medal presentations and just generally um, around the pool, um, you know, the, the energy that you brought to the, the swimming arena, uh, the grace in your victory, the camaraderie that you had with other competitors uh, and teammates as well. Um, for you, just reflecting on the on the games, I mean, it, it just seemed like it would have been a magical experience for you to be there. It was, and I think that's in no small part to the Australian Paralympic team, and especially the um, the swim team inside of that. I think yep. we were so tight, we were such a close knit unit that it was impossible not to smile. It was impossible not to love the experience because, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but we we really were like family, and so when everyone is achieving, you know, we had a massive night on night one, if we can remember. How many gold was that? Maybe five or six. And so I was the last one of those gold. So I was warming up in that warm-up pool and I was seeing all these guys win their races, achieve their dreams. And so it was the perfect setup to go and win that race. It really was. Did that put pressure on you or did it inspire you? Or a bit of both? It was a bit of both. You can probably ask my coach uh, who's (laughs) looking after me at the time. You know, it was... I was I was good to go. I was good to go, and and usually about an hour, hour and ten before your race, you start you start your warm up, and that was just when Rowan Crothers won his fifty uh, free, and so I was in the I was in the uh, at the side of the pool ready to get in, and then it really hit me. I was like, oh yeah, the nerves are coming a little <laughs> bit now, and and you know I sort of had to get a little um a little pep talk to calm me down, but um yeah, it was it was a little a little nervous, but also how could you not be inspired? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a little while now uh, since you got back from, from Tokyo and had to do your quarantine and all the rest of it. Um, have you come down off that high yet or are you still buzzing a little bit from it? I think I think it's hard to come down off the high because while you're over there, everyone's achieving great things. So it's hard to um, truly understand what you've achieved. But since I've been home and seen the reaction of others, I think that's what's put me on the high mm. I think and to to continue I haven't met everyone since I've been back I've been quite busy so every time I meet a new person and they sort of said oh my god how was ama- how amazing was that you sort of you're, you're back up on your high so I think you know and it's a very special thing I think I'm starting to realize how special it was if anything um and it's just been an awesome couple of weeks yeah um were you aware of how much support you guys did have back here I mean everyone's got their own little um close group of friends and family that are cheering them on. But I mean, your mum and dad led this enormous celebration in this uh, centre up in in Joondalup. That was sort of your headquarters, your fan base headquarters. Were were you even um, aware of of just how much support you had? You know, I think uh, 
mum did a very good job of not telling me all the details. <laughs> she didn't want anything to go awry. She didn't want anything to ruin the prep. And so she was very, like, careful with what she told me. And, and so it was a nice surprise when I sort of sat down. I, um, I got... Uh, uh, drug tested after the race and so I sat down and looked through my phone for a little bit and saw you know the the room erupting and how many people um, were there to support me and and also that doesn't just go for the people in the Joondalup resort I think it was um, it goes to everyone I was so blown away by uh, how well watched this race was and how well supported I was it was yeah it was um it's a very special moment. Yeah. Have you had a chance to catch up with all those people since? Yeah, I've, I've caught up with the majority of them. And obviously, I'm very, very thankful. And, and just, you know, I missed out on so, so much of their lives as well because it was a long campaign. I think we, we left July 15th, I think, for the start of it. And so mm. to catch up with them and see what they're doing as well is also the other, the other half of the equation. Yeah. Um, just before we move on from the, the games themselves, um, one of the other most excited people... Uh, watching your race uh, in the commentary box, Priya Cooper. I mean, you can hear a little bit of her there. She's kind yeah. of, she's sort of lost her mind a little bit, yeah. hasn't she? Because she's just so excited for you. Um, she's been a big part of your swimming success story too, hasn't she? Yeah. She, um, yeah. you know, we figured this out uh, once I got back, but she presented with me, she presented me with my first swimming medal. And I think yeah. I was, must have been eight at the time. Just, just for background to Priya herself. Yes. Paralympic. Yeah, yeah. Very, champion, very. A nine time. Yeah. And, and before Ellie winner. Cole overtook the, um, the medal count, uh, these games, she was the most decorated female Paralympian. I yeah. think she had something like She's 16, a phenomenon. 16 yeah. Paralympic medals. She is, oh, she's a legend. Yeah. Um, and to sort of have that early influence early on in my life, it was massive. It, it sort of, it let me understand what the Paralympic movement was and how it sort of existed and how it came about and to sort of be guided by Priya for that long. What a mentor. Yeah, what a mentor. Yeah. Um, that first conversation you had with her after you'd, You'd won your medals. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? What did you guys say? Look, it was a lot of hugging and it was a lot of <laughs> crying. And, um, you know, I thanked her for, for making it such a special special moment in the commentary box and also just helping me along the way. I think um, the little tips that someone can give you is so invaluable, especially when she's been there and done that so many times. And, um, you know, she holds a very special place in my heart. And, um, yeah, I'm always very, very grateful to yeah. Priya. And I can only imagine um, the, the, the people who said that the Olympics uh, and Paralympics shouldn't have gone ahead this year with everything that's been going on in the world. I kind of understood on some level yeah. where they were coming from, but um, at the same time, it was so good to see it and the whole country got right behind it. Um, you must be incredibly thankful that they did go ahead in the way that they did. Yeah. Al albeit know, a year late. Yeah. You know, it was a pretty um, interesting time to say the least. I think, yeah. um, you know, with obviously them being cancelled and having to re rebuild the year and rebuild your strength and and it was a tough thing to do but I think it was even more special going and appreciating how much you know um Japan had to do and sacrifice to put on these games and you know to try and make the best out of them and put on a show and um I think it's just what the nation needed I think it's just what the world needed that little bit of joy that little bit of hope um sporting excellence it, you can't get much better than it no. like sport at the peak is is such a great um, event and such a great watch and I think it was it was perfect for us in the staging camp watching the Olympic guys go through and and then obviously we uh, we went and did it ourselves so it was a, yeah. an awesome spectacle and you all did an extraordinary job uh, Ben we need to take a break but after that we're going to take you right back 
uh, to your younger days. Um, you know, when you first, I suppose, uh, diagnosed as an infant uh, with cerebral palsy, obviously you wouldn't remember that. Yeah. Um, but some of your early memories uh, and, and, and when swimming became a part of your life as well. This is Inspiring Stories. Ben Popham is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the story of Paralympic champion Ben Popham, a two-time gold medalist, also picked up a bronze at the recent uh, Tokyo Games. Uh, ben, you were diagnosed uh, as an infant um, with cerebral palsy. Um, obviously, that's far too young for you to remember, but what have your parents told you about that time? You know, I'm a twin, and yep. my uh, my twin is able-bodied, and so they always say uh, I was constantly looking at him as to what I could or should be able to do, and I think I've sort of carried that through to now. But I remember uh, Mum used to tell me that he walked uh, nine months before I could, yep. and so I was constantly every time he got up, I was sort of looking at him in amazement, going, "Well, I yeah. I How can't are you do doing that." that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it was a lot of comparing, uh, and it was a lot of you know, trying to will my body to do things that Adam could do. Um, and I think that's, that's the highlight for mum and dad, at least. Yeah. Um, you and Adam, are you, are you that twin? Do you have that twin relationship yeah. where you, yep. you have that unspoken bond that, you know, that's something that you, you can't quite quantify or, or explain? Yeah, we're, we're very, very close. I think, yeah. um, you know, like the last time we fought, was maybe when we were 13 and we're 21 now. So we're, um, we're very close. And I think, uh, you know, that has a lot to do with my strength and my development, having that person that I can constantly bounce off, you know, he's sporty in his own right, you know, he played footy and he plays touch rugby now. And so he's very, very sporty. And it's always sort of nice to have that, that instant person to kick around the footy or, or mm. and that sort of stuff. And, and just, you know, delve into the sports world, if you will, yep. um, at such a young age, really, really helped me out. Yeah. Uh, and and looking back and reflecting, having that twin um, all through your life, yeah, and seeing that he was up on his feet and walking around in in a, in a strange sort of way, was he? Um, I think instrumental in in you maybe doing things that you know maybe your yeah. doctors and, and therapists didn't yeah. think you were you were going to achieve. It certainly hitting milestones at that time was was he a yeah. big part of you just just doing it? I think so. I think. You know, one of the success or one of the consistent things that I hear all the time about, you know, successful Paralympians and successful people um, that have a disability is that they they were pushed. Mm. And obviously, the parents or the support staff knew when to, you know, put on the brakes and and help them out. But they were always pushed, and they were left to their own devices and left to figure out how to do stuff. And so, when when people set goals, they're sometimes too conservative. And so, when you're you know next to a twin that can do everything naturally you're going to try to push harder than if he wasn't there right and so you know hitting hitting the goals and hitting the mobility goals for the physio type thing was always a nice thing but I think what was even nicer was when I could match Adam and and match all my friends at school and I think that's what I tried to do for a long long time and I yeah. do think that really accelerated my development and sort of helped me out quite a lot yeah um you started swimming about the age of seven it was introduced as a part of your physical therapy program yeah uh, do you remember getting in the pool for the first time and, and, and what did you make of it? Yeah, look, I uh, I do remember and I think it was a scary one. Uh, for anyone that can't swim, I, 
I uh, sort of, I'm sure they can relate. It's it's scary. It's I sort of did 25, got out, went home. You know, it wasn't the you know love at first sight that um, others had experienced. But I think I sort of knew that it was it was necessary. I think swimming had that that uh, lure to it that I could be um, something in the water and I could like sort of express myself in the ways that like conventional sport wouldn't allow me to. I was I was already starting to struggle playing Oz kick and um, and all the soccer at lunchtime. I was not really keeping up, and so maybe just subconsciously, I sort of felt like this was my avenue to explore myself and my sporting ability. I think, um, and yeah, and luckily down the line, it did. It yeah, did happen. Um, was it helpful as a, as a kind of physical therapy in the early days? Was it? Beneficial, beneficial to you? Yeah, it, it was massive. I I used to wear AFOs, which is just massive uh, pieces of plastic that correct your walking as you go. And the horrible thing with it was they the hinge at the back of the heel used to click every time I walked, and so it was that audio cue that Ben was coming and um and I hated it. I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. stand it. And so all my physios were saying, probably quite rightly, look, you'll be in there for a while. You'll be in them for a while, and. And you might be in and out of PMH like I was consistently when I was a child and all these uh, all these appointments with physios and I had serial casting as well. Like I was in PMH, which is was then the children's hospital a lot mm. um, and sort of I didn't re- and probably my family, I didn't really see a way out of the um, the cycle. And I think swimming, you ask any physio that it's had anything to do with me or any other swimmer, to be honest. It smashes every goal and expectation. Like I don't even walk with um, orthotics when I run anymore. Or, yeah, yeah. When I uh, when I run, I don't use orthotics. Uh, I don't have my splints at all anymore. And all my walking aids have slowly sort of uh, been phased out because of how helpful swimming was for me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the word disability. I, I, I'm, I wish there was another word to use because it it, it immediately kind of you know, plants a seed in people's mind of, of what it is. And it's, I suppose people, um, class it as some kind of deficit, uh, an inability to, to do something in a way that, uh, an able-bodied person might be able to do. Um, but it's a tag I'm sure you've had to hear a lot over the years. I mean, how does it sit with you when people first started talking about you having a disability? How did you cope with that? Uh, I think when I was young, I struggled with it quite a lot. I think obviously as a kid, uh, you want to do everything possible to fit in. And so having yeah. this tag, this uh, this dis- disability tag was massive for me. It like, made me st- stick out by, like a sore thumb. And I was so desperate to, to fit in that it really, really hurt. And I think this is what uh, swimming did for me. And I, this is why I sort of advocate for um, sport so heavily with um, people with a disability and just getting involved in that community um, is that swimming helped me, uh, you know, as I got better at swimming and gained my respect or gained respect for my peers uh, in swimming, I sort of gained more confidence and uh, the ability to sort of shrug off that um, disability tag and sort mm. of, and even embrace it, to be honest. I think now I'm, I'm sort of a more confident young man and I'm happy in my own skin. And so the, um, it's a unique uh, tag and a sort of thing that sets me apart from everyone else, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm not scared of it because I've had that, that, um, journey through swimming that's helped me sort of um, feel respected by my peers. You know, like I always say, um, sports in Australia is so well respected that once people can see that you're achieving in sport, it's an instant leveler. You don't have to prove anything Mm. when you're good at sport. And for me, that was just fantastic because that's what I felt like I had to do all the time. (laughs) Prove that I'm worthy, which is terrible, but it's what I was internally as a young guy. And so 
to have that instant leveler was huge. It was, it was life changing. So yeah. And finding that, um, at that age, did it help you at school in, in the way that, um, uh, you interacted with your peers at school and just the general dynamics in the, in the playground, in the classroom? Yeah, I think obviously uh, primary school was too early for that. And I think I definitely struggled through primary school. And, and in year seven, I sort of made the decision against my physio's wishes to cut the AFOs out, get rid of the clickiness, because I didn't want to be known as um, the disabled kid in high school. And so I got rid of every audio cue possible. I Is tried that right? To, yeah, I tried to hide everything, went to in-shoe orthotics so they couldn't couldn't see. And so I was still in a very uh, bad place mentally with how I viewed myself. Uh, and, and as the swim picked up, it was probably 14, 15, um, years old that I really started to slowly embrace who I was. And, um, and it was, yeah, it was massive. It really was. Yeah. Um, you were a little telethon star in 2011. So you would have been what, 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah at that time. What are, what are your memories of that part of your life? Uh, happy ones, happy ones. I think, uh, obviously the highlight for me, uh, was obviously I played, uh, a half court game with the Wildcats of the time, yeah, and right. um, and they didn't go easy on me, which I love. <laughs> so the, here are these like massive six foot eight, seven foot guys <laughs> just holding the ball above my head. I'm like jumping to try and get it, and they're just palming it to each other and just absolutely destroying me. But I loved it, um, and it was just sort of those little things that, um, yes, people knew me for my disability, but it was a it was a positive, or they viewed me through a positive lens, and that was something I'd never experienced before. It was sort of that celebration of difference that sort of set me on my way for, um, that, yeah, that mindset, my, that mindset shift that I sort of needed yep. instead of viewing it as a negative tag, I sort of viewed it as a, as a uniqueness or a yep. unique, uh, difference. Um, and telethon, yeah, did a huge thing uh, for me in terms of just how I viewed myself. And I'm sure you've met some inspiring people along the way, you know, particularly through those more challenging younger years, yeah. uh, who were the people that you know, that really helped get you through and inspire you? Look, I'm always going to lean towards sportsmen because that's what I wanted to be uh, so badly. So obviously Priya Cooper's already mentioned, Ellie Cole, um, anyone, and even just any uh, able bod that sort of had uh, an awareness of what it was like um, for disability. I, I remember everyone in my squad um, going up, uh, growing up slowly sort of, understood more about um, disability. And so the really good guys in my squad, I then idolized massively because they understood uh, what I was going through and they understood where I could potentially go to, but they'd achieved massive things in their own sport, which was obviously swimming. And so I just, yeah, they were great to me. Every single person that was sort of uh, leading the way and leading the, the swim squad um, just sort of guided me slowly through my um, my yeah. turbulent time. And so, yeah, it was massive for me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of people have played a a part in your current success, which to us, I suppose, seemed um, almost out of the blue, you know, meteoric, uh, to use a well-worn uh, cliche, yeah. but yeah. probably not so much to you. It was yeah. probably, you know, more of a slower build and a crescendo towards the, the game. So I'll get you to talk us through that right after we take a break. Ben Popham is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Ben Popham is our special guest, uh, recipient of many, many awards, uh, two gold medals and a bronze, as I mentioned, at the recent uh, Tokyo Paralympic Games. Uh, but he's been recognised by uh, many different institutions uh, over the years. Uh, the AIS Discovery of the Year, uh, Swimming Australia Awards, Curtin University Sportsman of the Year. Uh, the list goes on. Um, ben, have you, are you still getting in the pool much at the moment or have you had to take a, a break? Look, we're uh, we're calling it a break, but it's definitely just there for my mental health. I think, uh, as many athletes can tell you, uh, the the risk for burnout in these sort of individual sports where you have to do long hours is really quite high. And so, especially at the end of an Olympic or Paralympic cycle, you've got this perfect opportunity uh, to mentally reset and find that hunger for the sport again that maybe you lost through the countless hours of training. So I'm sure it will come, and we're sort of earmarking the middle of November, um, but we're really excited to just get that excitement back into the pool. Spend some time on dry land for a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Are, are you actually looking forward to getting back into the pool or is it like, oh, oh it's a bit of a daunting ready. thing right now just because I'm enjoying being a land animal uh, <laughs> yeah. for now, uh, but I'm sure there will be a time and it, it will come very soon where I'm ready to get back in. Yeah. Maybe the hot weather will be the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Not the five o'clock in the morning wake up times, that's for sure. Um, now, as I mentioned, like, you know, you really burst onto the scene in a huge way this year uh, at the Games. But for you, it's probably felt like a slower build. Um, yeah. You've had Pan Pacific Championships, you've had World Championships uh, that you've been to. Um, was this, though, you know, at the age of, well, you, you were 20, 20 yeah. when you went to Tokyo. Uh, was this always sort of in your mind, you know, from going back to your mid-teens, you think 2020, well, as it turns out, 2021, um, Tokyo Games, I'm really shooting for that. That's when I can really make my mark on the world stage. I couldn't, I couldn't dream too big when I was young, and I'll tell you why. When I'm sure if you dig up old photos of me, I am an absolute stick insect. Like I have no <laughs> muscle in my body and that just will not work for, for elite sport. And so people kept telling me, you know, like you'll fill out eventually, you'll fill out, you'll fill out. But I wasn't sure when this time was going to come. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll never fill out. And in which case I'm, I'm done. Um, but, you know, 2018 was probably my uh, year where I sort of really started to build muscle and, um, you know, ascend to that next level if you yeah. will and and so that's when it really started that I, I was locked on to the 2020 for the for the games and that's when it really started to get quite exciting yeah you would have been still at school then right yeah so yeah 2018 my uh, my first uh, senior team was when I was completing year 12 which was a bit How of a nightmare in that? itself look a lot of mental breakdowns a lot of uh you know tough days but i think i was very lucky in that my school was very um accommodating yeah well and, give, give a shout out to your school yeah then. st stephen's school it was yeah. it was a cracker it really was and the teachers were very very um ready to help me in any way they could you know i postponed pretty much every assessment possible i yeah i did a whole bunch of stuff and they just said yep do what you want we'll come back and and fix it after uh, after you're done yeah were you a good student I'd like to think so. You know, I, I think I was a bit cheeky maybe, but I, I wasn't terrible. I wasn't terrible. I was up for a good <laughs> That's laugh. That's a great endorsement. Yeah. I, yeah, wasn't I wasn't terrible. I wasn't terrible. I was up for a good laugh. But I think in the end I sort of got my got my um, work done with a, with a reasonable amount of care. Yeah. You know, I'd sort of shoot for a 75-80 if, if that's sort of Mate, that's anything plenty. to go on. For. And, it, and, yeah, and, you know, so I'd, I'd work hard um, at home, but sort of school was fun time with friends. Well, so. you had the, and you had a lot to do. You had this uh, exactly. blossoming yeah. swimming career yeah. as well. But it sounds like your teachers were pretty understanding yeah. of all the things you were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, your talent was obviously very well recognised by that, you know, latter part of, of your high school time. 
Um, did you sort of take on a bit of a local celebrity status at school? Uh, look, everyone, everyone knew me as Ben the Swimmer, but I think with everyone else's lives going so quick as well as it does in school, everyone sort of knew as I, I was sort of rising in the periphery or peripheries. Yep. But I wasn't really like the main character. I was sort of <laughs> just, you know, quietly doing my work. I, I never quite wanted to, you know, tell everyone how good I was. One, in case it went, you know, <laughs> terribly and we sort of, you know, hit a, hit a roadblock that we couldn't get around. And two, like, I'm just not really um, that sort of person anyway. Like, I'm, I'd, I'd always like to lean on the side of, of being humble and um, letting your achievements almost speak mm. for you. I never really like to brag about what I've done and, and yeah. Which I think is part of your charm. Uh, having said that, must have been incredibly exciting, you know, when you're still at school yeah, and, and flying was. off to all these different parts of the world to go and compete. Yeah, I, I remember our year 12 uh, retreat was when I was off in Berlin for, for one of the comps and everyone was like, oh, where's Ben? Where's Ben? And Adam, uh, my twin, used to always say, yeah, he's off in Berlin just swimming. And I think that yeah. was when everyone sort of really started to, to realise how cool it was. And I was realising how cool it was. Like, I'm getting an all-expenses-paid uh, trip to Berlin just to swim up and down a pool quickly. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> I can do more of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and your your brother, were you competitive at school as well? It sounds like he's pretty into sport as well. I mean, you know, even on the academic front, did Always. you maintain that rivalry? Always. We, we, the, the problem was we had... We had really clear differences, and that sort of uh, grew as we went through our schooling career. So I was I was really good at uh, riding. Adam was really good at math, and so we could never really marry up uh, a true competition. <laughs> I'd always smash him in one thing, and Adam would smash me in the other. So it was um, it was a bit stale in terms of the comp- uh, the competition side of things. But it was it was a tough rivalry nonetheless. Yeah. And does he ever you know get in the pool with you at all? Look, I don't think Adam. The only time, I'll tell you what, the only time Adam would jump in the pool was our annual swimming carnival, and now Adam swam up till he was twelve. Uh, and I remember every single swim carnival he used to beat me in the because obviously I'm just a, uh, I'm slower than a a normal swimmer, and so Adam would beat me in the almost every event. I think I got him in the fifty freestyle in the last year, so year twelve. Yep. Uh, but. Or previous to that, everyone would always watch Adam beat me at school and go, wait, aren't you the guy training like 25 <laughs> hours a week and Adam hasn't touched the pool in eight years? So, you know, it was tough, but it was always, it was always fun. And, um, you know, that competition is sort of what made it so exciting. Yeah, I'm sure you've got him covered now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, well and truly. If it, if it went up to 100 metres, he was always cooked. Well, like we know you come home strong in the 100. The 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned that you physically started to fill out um, you know, during year 12, yeah. did you, were you spending a lot of time in the gym as well? Was it all poor work? What, what was the, what was the difference? I Just think general maturity. Yeah. I think it was general maturity. I think I was always, um, careful not to start my growth by starting gym too early. And so, um, I think I almost started a proper gym program after I got home from 2018. I was yeah. sort of doing body weight stuff, a lot of chin ups, a lot of, uh, a lot of push-ups, and so it was a very light gym program, but I think it did help. I think it was just sort of that right right time to um, yep. really start packing it on, and I didn't think I had anything to do with it other than, you know, it was, it was sort of my time to, to yeah. finally build something. And forgive me if this is uh, an inappropriate way to ask the question, but, you know, with cerebral palsy, when you're managing that and you go into the gym, do you have to approach it any differently? I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you do different exercises, yeah. Look, but are there any? Yeah. does it present any different sort of challenges that in, we, that we, you know, 
might not be aware of when you go into the gym. Yeah, in terms of in terms of uh, actual exercises that I can do, I'm massively uh, limited by my mobility and range of motion. And so, yep. if my uh, PT, my personal trainer, wants me to actually do something, he'll probably have to think of five or six different exercises um, before I can get one that I can actually do for the for the motion that he wants. And and it is more difficult. Uh, and I think this has been backed by a million different research papers, but it is more difficult to build muscle uh, with cerebral palsy. It's just like a fact. So you have to work a lot harder to get get a lot less muscle in the end. And so you end up taking this sort of lean approach rather than sort of the big, big boy sort of your Caleb Dressels and you really filled out 100 meter sprinter sprinters that are runners you sort of go for the lean mean machine type approach and sort of it worked for me but um yeah it definitely is more hard to to put on muscle yeah and so nowadays even while you're having a little bit of a break from the pool are you keeping up a pretty strong uh, exercise routine yeah I'm keeping it pretty light you know sort of uh rowing for 30 minutes rowing for 45 minutes at a time and and not doing too many weights I, I, I still don't want to come back to the pool and sort of be 120 kilos and just massive and just sink as soon as I get in so yeah keeping it pretty light but I'm enjoying it yeah very good um let's take another break Ben Popham is our special guest we'll hear more of his story right after this you're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Ben Popham. Uh, ben, we've spoken a lot about your swimming, but while all this is uh, is is progressing and you're reaching these extraordinary heights that we've talked about. Um, you're also studying as well. Yeah. Um, you've been studying at Curtin, as I understand, yeah. uh, for a few years now. Um, what have you been doing and how's it been going? Well, it's been going well, first of all. I, I'm sort of really enjoying it. But um, I, look, I always get confused with my degree name, so I might get it wrong, but I think <laughs> it's a double degree in commerce and it's public relations and journalism. Right. And so doing all this sort of stuff and... But you're not sure. I'm not sure. Look, I could be wrong and someone's probably going to email me about it and I'll get it wrong. But Maybe the enrolment person. Yeah, yeah it's close enough. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. And um, and so, you know, it's it's a perfect place to learn and um, sort of seeing how I can apply it to swimming. And, and it's just cool. It's just yeah. Cool. So what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be in your chair. Oh, right. I think, um, you know, <laughs> this is what's so cool about coming home is I'm getting so many opportunities to do so many different things within the journalism um, industry. And so I'm doing a bit of radio. I'm doing a bit of TV broadcast. I've done stuff with um, print journalists. And so I'm sort of, and even producers. Um, but I'm getting sort of this eye in uh, that probably very few 21-year-olds get yeah. as to what I would like to do in the industry and sort of getting the the correct people as sort of into my network and I'm getting their contacts and it's just very, very cool. And I'm, I'm loving it. I yeah. seriously, I'm loving the past couple of weeks. Well, for what it's worth, mate, you are just such a natural in front of a microphone and in front of a camera. It's no wonder that you're gravitating towards that yeah. because it just seems so natural to you. And I know you've had, you know, plenty of opportunities, uh, particularly in the last few months, uh, to do it. So if that's what you want to do, I Thanks, reckon, Tim you'll be an absolute star. Um, what was it about um, enrolling in that degree in the first place that uh, that, that got your interest? Because you kind of have to make that big decision, don't you, when yeah. you're 
barely an adult or not, not <laughs> even quite an adult. It's a big call to make, isn't it? What was it that you thought you would do with that degree when you decided to put your name down for it? Whatever whatever yeah. that degree yeah. actually is that you are doing. <laughs> Look, I think uh, it's obviously a tough one. And um, I think I really enjoyed writing when I was at school and um, sort of expressing myself through words and um, you know, even a bit of poetry, which I don't do now, but we did, I remember we did an assessment for poetry and I love that. So yeah, right. look, I think, um, it was really, really cool to see obviously, um, what sports journalists did from a very young age, what TV guys did from a very young age with telethon and just sort of running through, um, my swimming career. I've sort of always had a bit to do with, um, interviews and that sort of stuff. So that was always at the forefront of my mind, sort of, that's cool. I want to do that. And, and public relations as well. There's that almost that interesting thing where in the press releases and in, in the thing, uh, and everything you release, if you say one wrong word in that release, you can just get torn to shreds online. Like that's the incorrect word to use it. And you needed something slightly different and you would have been a okay. And so that, that, uh, pre- precision required in your sort of, um, words craft or wordsmithing, uh, is is really intriguing to me, and yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. it's cool. So why do you want to do it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think you learn very quick what to say and what not to say, and so I'm sure the first couple of years will be absolutely brutal. But it's just that that idea of getting something just right. That yep. press release is just like perfect. I don't know. I feel like I'm overly like no one's going to be into it as much as I am. But it's just <laughs> it's such a cool idea. You, it pays to be a a little bit pedantic yeah, yeah yeah in that field that's for sure um how did you go balancing your studies uh with your swimming and, and that crescendo towards tokyo yeah i mean obviously um, most athletes uh, including me uh, go two unit part-time so the full uh, uni load is four units and so i've taken half of those off um and i'm just doing uh two units to reduce the load and so i found with normal swimming it was actually quite doable you know, the trek into the uni is 40, 50 minutes, which isn't nice. But other than that, um, I was really enjoying it. You know, I sort of had everything on a Friday. Uni was my Friday day um, and everything else was sort of swimming. And so I found that I could keep up the load uh, fairly well. And and I was sort of very aware with what my time schedule was and where when I had to um, put, push assignments back and bring them forward and sort of mold my schedule around my, my swimming. And, and the teachers and the lecturers were very, very... Um, sort of helpful with that. But obviously this year I just deferred completely. I think. So you're still on holidays. Yeah, I'm still on holidays. I haven't, I haven't been back for a, a while. And I think. <laughs> you, you it's going to be a shock to the system. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think there's that, that five week mark maybe where you don't have to, um, you can pull out for no consequences. And the, the assessments started coming early on this year and I was getting slammed with training. Like we were in a very, like the the last just brutal block of training. And, and I sort of looked at it and the assignments were trickling in and they were, then they started coming in thick and fast and I just bailed out of it. And I said, nah, yep. we're not doing it this year. And so we've canned it, but hopefully good we'll call. pick it back up. Yeah, good, good call indeed. Good call. You mentioned getting slammed in training. Uh, when you're really in intense training for something like the, the, the Paralympics, what is an average day like for you? Uh, look, we would go, we'd wake up at 4.30. We would... Then I don't know, like you know, eat breakfast, drive to the pool, hop in the pool for five thirty after twenty minutes of activation. So we'd hop in the pool for five thirty, we'd get smashed for till seven thirty, uh, hop up into the gym for an hour. So we're done by eight thirty, uh, and then we'd sort of drive home, have a nap. I'm a big napper, so I'll have like sort oh, of three and a half, that. four hours. 
Uh, it's three, not a nap sorry, anymore. It's three a to four sleep. hour yeah, nap. It's a, it's no, that's a not a nap, sleep. mate. It's a little sleep. <laughs> but, you know, it was fun. And then we'd go back training uh, four till six. And then we're starting to pick up more yoga now, but it was sort of a, a nice little thing to do, yoga to relax after, bit of yoga. after training. Yeah, a bit of yoga. So, um, yeah, and obviously you're, you're mentally and physically drained. Everything is being asked of you every day, and it's very, very taxing. Like, t- to give you the perfect example... I'd sort of uh, see my lovely girlfriend three times a week. Two of those times, I would say, is literally me talking to her for five minutes, then falling asleep for two (laughs) hours, and then waking up, and then it's time to go to bed at my house. So I'd go home after talking to her for like five minutes, and then that's it. That's our date, because I'm that knackered. Like, I'm just destroyed. It's it's something else. And so, uh, look, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it's sort of what you have to do to, to get to the top. <laughs> That's another sacrifice on her part. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I hope you guys are all good. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Hey, I've been doing a lot of making up, that's for sure. <laughs> You're not still falling asleep. <laughs> <by then. laughs> no, it was, um, yeah, she's a, she's a very lovely girl. I'm very lucky to have her. So, you mentioned November, you reckon you'll be getting back into the pool and then uni picking up as per usual, next year. Yeah. Yeah. And are you already thinking about the next one, the next big competition, whether that's the Olympics in 24, Paralympics in, in Tokyo, that is, it's oh, sorry, in um, Paris in, in 24, uh, world champs in between. Where do you sort of see the calendar being punctuated in the years to come? Uh, yeah. It's um, swimming has a very simple calendar, thank, uh, thank, like, just everything. It's very simple to understand. It's every year we've got one major meet, so that's... Okay. Uh, world Championships one yep. year, then it'll be Commonwealth Games the next year, World Championships in year three of the cycle, and then Paralympics year four. And so every year you sort of have the one to two week break, and then you start your aerobic work, your long distance stuff, and then as the year progresses, you go to shorter and shorter stuff, and you pick up your speed more and more, and then you peak for the mm. for the meet, and then you go back down. So uh, obviously the it's a little different because we've got uh, three years instead of four. And so next year we've got Commonwealth Games and World Champs, um, which will be interesting. But it's still the same principle. So we have our, like, break, which I'm in now, and then we pick up the long-distance stuff, so sort of the 7, 8K sessions, and it's just, oh, it's gross. Brutal. It's yeah. gross. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then we sort of find our speed a little bit, and then we peak towards the game. So that's yeah. sort of the plan, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I must say, I find you swim as a weird bunch. Yeah, you're we just, are. You know, chasing the black line up and down the pool. Yeah. Um, and when I ask the question, you know, what's going through your mind, especially on those those cold, lonely mornings when it's you know it's five in the morning, it's freezing, and, and you are just up and back following that black line. And it's a, you know what's going through your mind. You get a range of responses. Yeah. From people, some people are just tuned out. Some people are hyper uh, yeah. aware of their. You know this the, the stroke and perfecting the, like what what goes through your mind? I think while I'm settling in, it will always be a song, and it's whatever I've listened to on the radio. But do you I'm have like, a go-to song? Oh, look, I do appreciate a bit of Becky G. Shower. That's a long time ago now. It must be well, not that long ago, but 2014 maybe. Anyway, people might know what we're talking about at home, but it's a very millennial song. And um, <laughs> you know, while I'm settling in, it'll always be a song. And unless if we're doing skill work or, or stuff that needs specific focus, I just tune out straight away. Okay. Once I'm in, I'm tune out. And so but it works you, for even me. Even when you're tuned out, then you must be thinking about something. Oh, very little. It's, I don't know how to do it. I literally do not know how to do it. It's uh, like meditation then. Yeah, it, it, it literally is. When you're just doing the long distance and you don't really need to think about what you're doing, you just need to get the caves into you and get the arm re- repetitions done. I don't even know what I can 
it's almost like I just wake up again. Like I've done it so <laughs> many times that it's very easy to just sort of recognize that you need to go into this state and your yeah. arms are going over and then you're gone. See you later. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting thing and and obviously not every athlete does it, but for those that do, it's sort of um Yeah, they yeah, can relate. Cool yeah. I can't. Yeah. But I'm yeah, sure they yeah. can. I know I'm talking rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Ben, it obviously works for you. So keep it up. Good luck when you do get back into the pool, whatever that may be. Good luck with that shock to the system getting back to study <laughs> next year as well, Ben. Congratulations again on all your success and we wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your inspiring story with us. Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR in this episode with Ben Popham. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.